Blog Talk Radio. And now, here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. Ladies and gents, tonight we will find out what's up with Black Carpet Productions and the fantastic playwright Elaine Crocker and her stage play, Yet I Stand. This is a stage show about domestic violence and sexual abuse. We will be joined by Black Carpet Productions CEO Adib Muhammad, a.k.a. The Theater Warrior. And also we'll be joined by director Debbie Franklin. Find out more about the Black Carpet Productions at adib.com, that's A-I-Y-B.com, or email A-D-I-Y-B, the one at gmail.com. And remember to share the link you are listening to this show on, on all your social media platforms. And you can find me out there at Instagram at the handle William Powell. 8796, and you can find me on Facebook at william.t.powell, and you can book me by going to william400 at yahoo.com. So I see that uh, Adib and uh, Elaine and also Debbie are on the line, so let me bring them on the air. Good evening. You're on the air. Good evening. Hey, William. How are you? Man, I'm fantastic. So, Adib, I gotta ask you, what was it about this production that that drew the attention of uh, Black Carpet Productions? Well, it's um, a powerful story, in my opinion. Um, it does a great job at raising awareness to the issue of domestic violence and sexual abuse. I happened to see the play last year, and in my opinion. Um, it was a wonderful play, so decided that this would be a great project for us to collaborate with. Yeah, and uh, that's fantastic. So, I mean, but was there something about the story that you related to as far as, like, a particular character? Well, I wouldn't say so much a particular character. It was just the overall interactions between all of the characters. But what I would like to do is let you talk with Elaine, Debbie, and the other folks associated with the play, and then I think you'll see for yourself. Oh, by the way, you know Beverly Brown-Smith is on the line, too, as well. Oh, okay. Fantastic, fantastic. Okay, so, uh, Debbie, so what about this uh, particular uh, production interest? You and uh, I mean, wh- what made you take on the role of directing this play? Well, after reading the script, I, I found it, you know, to be about not only the playwright Elaine, but about what is actually happening all around us. It's happening, and and she decided to be uh, bold and 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 share her story. And I've, I've always focused on more or less life application productions instead of, you know, in low of your fictitious characters and storylines. And, I mean, this really spiked my interest because of its content content, and how, how this is happening in our society this, in these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so i got to go to Elaine. So you just got to talk a little bit more about um, what this play is about. 
so yet I stand um, is, is based on events from my life. Uh, the the main character Elise is is me, um, and in the play she's 16 years old. She's been uh, violated sexually by her uncle, uh, who had been you know molesting her for for several years, and she was raped by a couple of guys um, that she knew. Um, you know, she doesn't tell anyone, um, but she's traumatized, of course. And um, so the after effects show up in a lot of negative ways. You know, for example, she starts messing up in school. She's getting bad grades. She's cutting classes. She gets involved in taking drugs and drinking in excess, um, all because she really doesn't want to think about or feel, you know, what she's been going through. Um, so she uses the drugs and alcohol to kind of numb herself. Um, and everything in the in the play uh, that was depicted, um, you know, most of it was, you know, actually the way things happened in my life. Um, and there were some things that, that were a little different. Um, but, you know, by the end of the play, you know, she does end up telling her family, you know, what's been happening to her and we get to see you know, how a family should respond and how they should support, you know, someone, their loved one when they find out, you know, something like this. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Debbie, so I've got to go back to you. So what were some of the challenges uh, in directing such a, a powerful story? Oh, challenges. I'd say the biggest challenge would be in the actors that are chosen for the role. Because these people have to act out scenes that is showing the actual abuse, the rape, and molesting of a teen. And in directing, it's important that the actor portrays a realness in their character. They they have to have the audience to actually feel the pain that, that the playwright has gone through. You know, they have to see the problems and the situations that come from hiding abuse. And it's a challenge, you know, to keep a, a certain degree of sensitivity in the, in the reenactment of these acts, you know, because you don't want to offend anyone in the product, you know, with this production. You just want to bring awareness to those that need it, and and actually to educate those that may be called upon to help someone in these situations. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the go. things, um, <clears throat> one of the things we might like to say, you know. Black Harbor Productions, we pride ourselves on collaborating with writers who have realistic, powerful stories that bring awareness to various issues, particularly that impact our community. So um, one of the people, um, Beverly, are you on? Hello? Well, one of the people that we um collaborating with in this effort is um, uh, Mother Safe Haven, but I guess they'll get on in a little bit. Yeah, I was see, really. I Go ahead. Hello. I was really impressed with um, Elaine's ability to tell her story. I mean, it literally because you know, as with any good work, um, people in the audience have to feel something, and there's a roller coaster of emotions associated with this particular production, and it's not all. Um, a downer, if you will. There's some roller coaster ups and downs. You even get a laugh or two. For her to be able to do that within such a serious subject matter, that speaks to her ability as a writer. So I just thought it was something that we just had to do. 
Absolutely. Let's let's go on that that same road about the writing. So, uh, Elaine, I'm gonna go back to you. I got a, a few questions to ask you about writing. So, uh, what plays, if any, have you written before uh, this play? Uh, so, the first play, play that I wrote um, is called Raining Grace. Um, I wrote that uh, several years ago, um, and uh, Raining Grace is it's pretty much. It's the same story. It's, it was just written in such a way. I was working uh, with a friend of mine who wanted to put the play on at her church. Uh, she's also a playwright. Um, and so we kind of uh, adjusted it so that it was, um, you know, I guess she felt comfortable in presenting it to her church. So there there are there are a lot of things that are in the Yet I Stand that was not in Raining Grace. So, Yet I Stand, you know, was an addition. I did a lot of adding to Raining Grace and, um, you know, decided to call it, you know, Yet I Stand so that I still have, you know, the Raining Grace product that can be, you know, still, uh, you know, still viable and seen. Um, but I wanted to add more, I think, meat and just be a little bolder uh, with, with, with Yet I Stand. So that's why I took it there. Yeah, and, and you say you want to be a lot bolder. So talk a little bit about your, your process. When you get to sit down and write, is it a deal where the characters talk to you or is it something where you go back and just remember what happened? Um, I don't know. It, it was kind of um, uh, the, the way that it started really was that I was writing, uh, I was writing a book. My plan was to, was to write a book about my life. And um, <clears throat> in doing that, you know, I had started talking to a lot of other uh, survivors and, you know, some of them spoke about how they had, had turned their stories into plays. Um, and so I heard that so many times that I thought, you know, there must be something to this. There's some reason why I keep, I keep hearing this. So I decided to just kind of take, you know, the chapters that I had written and, 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 and formatted. I did a lot of research and all. I mean, I really didn't know a whole lot about writing plays or anything, so I did a lot of research and just kind of formatted what was my, the story of my life in a book and kind of formatted it into a, into a play. Um, you know, and a, a, a lot of it, uh, again, you know, it was, it was it's based on, you know, actual events, so you know, that was kind of easy, kind of writing about things that actually happened, but then adding, you know, other pieces into it, um, you know, for the purposes of a play, purposes of giving, you know, some sort of entertainment and that kind of thing. Um, I can't really explain it other than I think it probably was just kind of divine. Just the, it, just, the, the, it, it just started coming to me, you know, and I just started writing what was, what was coming to me. And and as far as your audience, I mean, is there any particular thing you want them to learn or, or experience as a result of seeing the show? Um, yeah, I mean, my hope for the audience is is um, you know several things. I mean, I you know I hope that they're educated, um, you know, their awareness is raised about this issue, um, and that they understand that it's something that's happening you know, all all around us, you know, it's something that could be happening right in their homes. Uh, oftentimes that is the case. Um, you know, and for anybody that's been through this kind of trauma, 
you know, I hope that, um, you know, they're encouraged and that they're motivated to, you know, speak up and speak out. And, you know, if they haven't gotten help, get the help, you know. Um, and then, you know, maybe they'll come to a place where they'll be able to pay it forward and get involved and, you know, and, and, and help others. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Debbie, i got to go back to you. Um, have you ever directed a, a play? Similar themes to this one. Uh, yes, I've I've directed a couple of uh, domestic violence um, productions, um, which depicted the domestic violence that's hidden in the churches, hmm. where it's silent, uh, where people are putting on the facade that they're they're fine and the pastor's fine, the first lady's fine, and um, but they're behind the closed doors, there was a lot of emotional abuse, which stemmed down to their, the child, and the child became abusive to their spouse and took it a step further than emotional abuse and went to physical abuse. So I did yeah. a production in that, and a couple of those um, production that depicted some really, uh, uh, I'd say, mind-boggling uh things that really do happen in the church that people keep their mouths shut about. Mm. Wow. Wow. So, Adiba, i got to go back to you on talk about where uh, Yet I Stand is going to be put on its feet. Well, um, the way we're looking at it, you know that this month is Sexual Abuse Awareness Month. So we thought this would be a great time to kick off the Yet I Stand campaign and lead up to October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. And we haven't actually locked down the specific location as of yet, but we do plan on having a multi-city tour by October. Okay? Um, Okay. One of our... uh, one of our other uh, associates, Beverly Smith Brown, is on the line now. Hey, Beverly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see her on the switchboard. Uh, Beverly, you're on the air. Hi. How are you doing? Okay. I'm fantastic. <laughs> I'm glad to have you on the show. So, talk about your involvement with uh, Yet I Stand. Okay. Well, I am the president and CEO of Mama Safe Haven Nonprofit Organization. And um, I am a domestic violence survivor as well as a sexual abuse survivor. And um, Mama Safe Haven, we focus on um, encouraging self-love and and working with people to overcome those obstacles and to um, really focus on dreaming big. So this this play um, and the whole movement is something that is already embedded in us in a relationship with Black Carpet. Production is something that was already in, um, you know, uh, it was already in place. So uh, we're excited to be able to be a part of this project, um, to be a partner with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very, very important project. Um, So then talk a little bit more about uh, Safe Haven. I mean, uh, about how many people would you say you help a year? Well, we touch um, over 500 families a year, 
Uh, we have several programs that we operate um, that deals with um, we have a Never Give Up program that deals with letting go of guilt and shame and overcoming obstacles and dreaming big and working hard. Um, so through those programs, we have self-love workshops and teen dating violence workshops, and we go over um, in the school systems with the middle schools and the high schools and do um, workshops as well as I'm an author. So my book entitled He Kept Me, um, we work with uh, – like I said, people who have been through abuse or some kind of trauma, and we encourage them to write. So we do a writing workshop as well um, once a month. Um, so, yes, we, we work with a lot of families as well as youth in the community. And, see, that's where, uh, from the standpoint of Black Copper Productions, that's where we saw a very um, – in-depth synergy between Yet I Stand and Mother Safe Haven's activity because, as Elaine stated, the the primary character in the play is a 16-year-old. And see, Mother Safe Haven works with a lot of youth in that particular age range. And see, um, see, I was a teen um, when my domestic violence uh, started, so I was actually 16 years old when um, I was first in a domestic violence relationship, um, you know, growing up in Southeast D.C., number eight of nine children, and my mom fell victim to the crack epidemic in the community. Um, the drugs was really heavy in Southeast where I grew up at, and teen pregnancy and the dropout rate was really high, um, and I suffered from self-esteem issues. Um, so I, I uh, was looking for love in all the wrong places, and uh, got pregnant at 16 and, and fell into the arms of my first abuser. And, and it was during that time um, that I, uh, you know, just went through sexual abuse and, and, and physical and verbal abuse um, as a teen. So, yeah, yet I stand. Um, it, it really hits home um, as it relates to getting that message out because it's a lot of young girls um, and boys, you know, a lot of males. Uh, has, mm-hmm. are in abusive relationships too. It's not just one-sided, and and abuse is not just uh, physical and sexual. Um, so, um, to be able to uh, bring awareness to the community and let now youth know that uh, you know it's not okay to go through abuse. It's not okay to let someone hit you or hurt you. Um, that's not love. Um, so this is something that is, is very, very needed uh, in our community, the awareness. Yeah, you know, you know, Beverly, uh, it does seem like I don't know much about the issue, really. only thing I, I've seen, when I've seen it depicted before on films mm-hmm. and television, it seems as though the, the abused person, they get into a Stockholm Syndrome and they – they kind of feel as though they can survive the situation and that it won't repeat itself. And it seems like people get stuck into a spiral with that. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I know with my own personal situation, it was, um, you know, I really thought that uh, I can help him. You know, it was a connection of love. I felt like um, I couldn't see myself without him. I thought that was love. And I, yeah. I took what I could because of um, my home situation wasn't that great. And, you know, it was a finance situation. And, um, you know, 
everyone thought that the relationship was good, you know, because it wasn't always uh, abusive, you know. Uh, to be honest, I'll say it was maybe 10% abusive, you know. Um, mm. When it did happen, you know, we had a lot of things to be able to cover it up. Um, so it wasn't all of the time, but when it did happen, um, you know, it was it was something that, um, you know, as, a, as I said earlier, self-love is key. You know, I felt like I could, uh, you know, I loved him more than I loved myself, and I realized that today that um, I'm worth loving, and, and, and love doesn't hurt. Um, so I think, you know, a lot of people go through that abuse because of their, um, loyalty to people and feeling as though that they can kind of help um, and that was like I said my situation and then the other side of it like I said is because of a need a financial um, thing you know a lot of women can't leave because or they feel like they can't leave um, due to nowhere to live or who's going to help them take care of the children or what are their family going to say because you know you left your husband that kind of thing yeah, that's the, what he what what Beverly just expressed was somewhat similar to um, what I saw, and yet I stand when I looked at the relationship, particularly between the the young girl and her uncle. And I mean, mm-hmm. this is sad to see something like that, and in the way that it was portrayed, and yet I stand, it was just so realistic. And what you may be seeing with people that you may even know that you're seeing it, but you don't see it. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. it's it's it just was powerful. And I mean, yeah. I saw grown men. I mean, when we went to see the play, yet I stand. I saw grown men come to tears on the basis of what was going on in that story. So that's supposed yeah. to the powerful message that was associated with that experience and then to have it and then to be not only sexually abused by your uncle, but then to be molested by a friend per se. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. it's just so many different dynamics that when you speak to what you see going on in society now and you see mm-hmm. this story, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just impactful. Yeah. And you have a lot of people. One of the great things about, Yet I stand is that, uh, you know, standing in your truth gives others the okay to do the same. And a lot of people are suffering in silence and don't know where to go to, you know, for help with so many people. Um, You know, it's kind of taboo. It's something that they sweep under the rug. A lot of people are going through that, um, and it's just brushing it off. So yet I stand, um, and, and just going back to your original question, why Mama Safe Haven, um, is attached to this project is because it really uh, touched the soul of the person who's watching it, and it frees the people who have experienced that and may never spoke out about it. You know, some mm-hmm. things may happen in people's childhood, maybe going over a cousin house, spending a night and things like that. But a lot of things happen, and we have support groups, and, you know, these type of stories come out when people are free to you know, speak about the hurt in a safe place. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. what Mama Safe Haven is about, is giving people an, a safe place to, uh, you know, express their hurt, whether it's writing, through art, um, you know, through visual art, like with the play, um, you know, definitely, uh, you know, a partnership that is 
uh, values. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Elaine, uh, I had a question about your long-term goals for Yet I Stand. What do you see uh, in the future for this play? Uh, well, some of the things are, um, one, one, want to continue to, you know, to raise awareness about this. I mean, it really is an epidemic if you um, ever have an opportunity to look at some of the uh, statistics. Um, it's really an epidemic. Um, you know, for instance, one out of every six, six American women has been sexually assaulted. Um, about one in 33 men has, have experienced sexual assault. Um, and it's said that about every eight minutes a child is sexually assaulted. Um, and I don't know that there's enough awareness out there. I don't know that people really understand that this is happening as much as it is. And so, you know, uh, that definitely is a, is, is a goal that people, again, like I said, are educated and are made aware. Um, the other thing I think is really important is that um, to bring out the effects on the victim, um, you know, there are a lot of things that happen afterwards to the victim. It's not all, you know, just physical. There's the emotional and the mental and the spiritual effects. Um, you know, victims carry a lot of shame and blame. Uh, you know, they end up going through life having intimacy and relationship issues, you know, low self-esteem, depression, you know, they get involved in drugs and alcohol, develop eating disorders, suicidal, things like that. And so, you know, I think sometimes maybe we see some of these things in a person and we don't understand it. We don't know what it is. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we're quick to label, you know, people instead of maybe really talking, really asking questions, really listening, you know, to find out, you know, why you know, somebody might be going down the road that they're going down. So to help kind of bring that out, you know, that if you're seeing these kinds of symptoms in someone, you know, more than likely, you know, something something has happened. Um, and then lastly, to instill hope in victims and survivors, you know, not only can they survive, um, but they can thrive, you know, which means they can yeah. grow, they can develop well, they can flourish, they can move beyond the issues and you know and have a and have a better life. A long yeah, time. that's one of the, what you just expressed, Elaine, is exactly what, from my perspective, based on your story and also Beverly's story. That's what I see in you, ladies. Um, I see y'all thrive, doing mm-hmm. great things, and that's that's you know that's just well worth it right there. You know, because that's yeah, be, you. Is, you two are great examples. Well, you know, I hope so. That's, you know, yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's it's one thing to survive, you know, to kind of like, okay, I made it through that, you know, that's one thing. But then, what do you do after that? You know, are you living? Are you, you know, are you are you growing? Are you moving on? Are you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel, uh, and I appreciate that, uh, uh, because I really feel that, um, you know, like I said earlier, I really feel. When we do it and we say, hey, I've been through that, you know, I know what it feels like. And if God can do it for me, and I always say to God be the glory because I give him all of the glory and the honor for what he's done 
um, in my life. And like you said, Elaine, um, like you said, you know, that awareness and it's an epidemic in our community. And, and, and a lot of times people don't even know that they are in an abusive relationship. You know, so just mm-hmm. like you said, educating them, giving them that the, those tools um, to to be able to identify and say, wait mm-hmm. a minute, this is not okay, um, mm-hmm. and exposing them to something different, you know, and right. exposing them to say, because I know for me, I didn't realize it was an issue until I got older. I thought mm-hmm. it was just a no, because it, it really was common. I mean, really, really common in my community. So it was, you know, it wasn't a big deal um, until, you know, I had my daughters and, I, you know, I started to to see things in a light of nurturing and, and really finding love within myself. It was that whole self-love piece. Um, so, uh, you know, just really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, you know, just shit, what is it? Let, let the whole light shine so others may do the same. Yeah, so so uh, Beverly, I want to go back to you. So there's been a lot of talk uh, in the news about harassment issues and things like that. What's your take on the Me Too movement? Um, I'm not too familiar with the Me Too movement, um, but as it relates to harassment, um, uh, you know, I really feel that that paper trail. Um, you know, letting someone know. And, and, again, you know, like I said, with Mama Safe Haven, one of the things is having someone that you can talk to, um, to to feel safe about it, you know, to feel. Because um, a lot of times when we speak out about things, um, if someone hasn't experienced it, then they can kind of shut you down and push you further in that closet. Um, and like I said, I'm not too – uh, up on what's going on as it relates to the Me Too movement, but as it relates to a harassment and and any kind of uh, assault, then I would always say uh, make sure that you uh, have some people that you can contact and let know and and uh, you know get the police involved and things like that. Well, from my perspective. Uh, even though you didn't ask me, but I believe um, from the standpoint of the Me Too movement, I think mm-hmm. it's a wonderful thing that the Me Too movement um, brings certain things to light, particularly as it relates to our business of acting, producing, and all of that, and how women have been over the years quietly harassed by, quote-unquote, men in power who had the power to make decisions as to whether or not they were going to be a part of some project or, or not. And then when they were harassed in some way, the women wouldn't speak oh, up because they felt like their business, okay. they wouldn't have opportunity to be in movies and plays mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but that mm-hmm. thing that is, is great that it came out in the way that it came out because hopefully it will change things in the business. But yeah. generally speaking, that's something that has been going on in our communities, and when I say our community, I mean in human communities here, particularly in the United States and other places, for years, and people mm-hmm. were ashamed. I mean, I mean, dudes have been harassed, and to um, one of the guys who portrayed was was in the play previously. He's a sexual uh, abuse victim in his his self, and it was is really rare for a male to speak up. 
in 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 a public forum about their sexual abuse. So mm-hmm. that's powerful within itself. So the Me Too movement has its place in the industry, but I believe Yet I Stand touches the world, touches communities, mm-hmm. touches mm-hmm. everyday people who mm-hmm. need to speak up if they subjected to this. Okay. Yeah, Debbie, because so you think... you're... Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Debbie, you're a director, so, I mean, like, you're in the industry, too. So what harassment uh, stories have you heard about or, or come across in show business? Um, <clears throat> believe me, when when we cast, we don't know everybody's history. We don't know what everybody's gone through. All we, all we know is they're cast for the role. And to have them to uh, act out their character and to find out, later down the line during rehearsals that they are actually victims themselves. And this was a platform for them to release what they have gone through, what they've been through. And you would never know that, that we just thought they were coming to audition for a a role in the production and come to find out they are actually victims themselves. Mm. And it begins mm. a healing process for the, these uh, people, and it gives them a voice, and it gives them a, a mm. sense of self, self-worth, self if you will. So um, being a director, it, you can really get into the innermost parts of some of your, your cast members and find out what they're going through as well. Mm-hmm. That's these right. Type of, these type of plays, believe it or not, begin a healing process for these for this cast member gives them hope and, and it gives them guidance and hopefully they, it helps with the healing process. Absolutely. That's the one thing Absolutely. that was very striking uh, when y'all had the question and answer period after the performance that I saw. Um, it was, it was, wow. It was, it was just powerful to, hear what some of the people express who were in the play about their experiences. Um, it was amazing. So I could see from an audience standpoint, I could, I felt as though I could actually see the healing. And that's one of the things that just was mm-hmm. so powerful to me from as an actor and a producer that, man, this is something that I felt like the world needs to see. Yeah, okay, folks, we're down to about eight minutes left. So, uh, Elaine, just quickly expand on that, uh, you know, your your uh, feelings about Me Too movement and uh, harassment in the workplace. Um, well, in terms of the, the Me Too, Too movement, I think that what Adib said about it kind of being a, a, a platform for, um, I guess it started really as a platform for, uh, you know, the well-known, you know, celebrities and that kind of thing to speak out. I think that, uh, and I think it's really important because, you know, as everyone has said, it's through the opening up, it's through the speaking out about it where the real healing begins. Um, I think that it's, a, it's, it's an excellent movement, and I, I feel that Yet I Stand is a part of the movement, but on a grassroots level. You know, where like like Adib said, we're we're dealing with you know the everyday folks, you know, who uh, need such a movement. Um, in terms of 
you know, harassment in in, in the in the workplace, um, you know, again, it's something that's been happening, you know, for for, for years and years, and I and and I think you know most of us know that, um, and you know, it is wrong, um, and it is something that you know needs to be uh, brought out and needs to continue to be you know spoken about and continue to be you know dealt with. Yeah. There we go. Okay, folks, we're down to about uh, what we get about six minutes left. So, Adib, quickly talk about uh, what else is going on with Black Carpet Productions. Uh, I know you have a lot of different projects. Water with a slice of lemon. Yeah, well, and primarily all that, so. at at this juncture, <laughs> at this at yeah. this juncture, William. I mean, we have a couple other projects in the making, of course, like uh, films and, and such, but. Right now, our primary focus is to get yet our stand out there and begin to bring people's awareness to the fact that we come in and when we come in, we come in hard. So the thing is that this was just an opportunity for us to let the world know and your audience that yet I stand, I need them to look for it. It will be coming, and we come in hard, and we will need their support and hopefully their love to make this thing a phenomenal project. Yet I stand by Lane Croker, so that's that's where we are. And then uh, Beverly, you have Safe Haven. So uh, how can uh, people uh, contact Safe Haven if they need it? Okay, uh, it's Mama's Safe Haven, and we are located on the web. We have a website at m o m m a s s a f e h a v e n. 2014.com. We're also located on Facebook, and that's Mama's Safe Haven. We're on Instagram at Mama's Safe Haven 2014. Um, and you can also catch us at our email at Mama's Safe Haven 2014 at gmail.com. We have um, four programs that we operate we have a talent show program. Um, where we work with the youth, as well as our Never Give Up program, as well as DC Film Life. Um, so we, again, um, workshops, we have self-love workshops, we do teen date and violence workshops, we have getting over the hump, and hump is help under much pressure. We're always looking for volunteers, and uh, we have some um, mental health specialists that comes out, so if anyone um, is licensed and want to come out. We're working in the Highland Editions area in Southeast, um, and we're working with about three, 35 families um, in that area right now um, on our caseload. So we are always looking for support and truly appreciate uh, the partnership with Black Copper Production. And yet, very good. Very good. Okay, Elaine and Debbie, just quickly talk about how fans can uh, find your work online. Uh, well, they can go to, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook. Um, on Facebook, they can go to, uh, there's a Yet I Stand uh, uh, Facebook page. Um, email uh, can be reached through email, conquering1961 at yahoo.com. Okay. All right, uh, Elaine. Yep, that was, was that was that. Elaine. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> Debbie. 
Debbie, you still here? Debbie's still there? No, yes. I'm still off. No, no, oh, I'm oh, here. Sorry. Couldn't hear you. Okay, sorry. yeah. Yes, I can be found on Facebook also, Debbie Arnold, A-R-N-O-L-D, or by email. It's D-F-R-A-N-K-L-1 at Hotmail.com and through um, Black Carpet Productions. Very good, very good. Well, you know, I uh, thank you all for your time tonight. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you all. I, I learned a lot tonight. Well, thank you, William. Thank you so we always much. appreciate you. Always appreciate your support, bro. You've been there since day one, man. So let's keep doing this. All right, man. Okay. Okay, well, uh, I wish you all a good night and uh, good luck with the production. Thank you. Good night. All right. Thank you. Good night. Okay. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone. Yes. You're welcome. Good night. All right, folks. Remember to please share the link you are listening to uh, with five friends, at least five friends. Uh, if not, I can't find five friends, uh, share it with a couple of enemies. <laughs> you can also find me on uh, Instagram at uh, William Powell 8796 And you can join the Inside Acting Radio Show listeners and guests group on Facebook. That's Inside Acting Radio Show listeners and guests. One more time, Inside Acting Radio Show listeners and guests. Twitter is uh, Inside Underbar Acting. And I'm at uh, william.t.pal at Facebook. And right now I'm going to go ahead and... uh, Leave you with the song here by Mr. Terrell Coleman, and he has a song called In the Dark. But before I do that, uh, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Night. Nice.